0: I'm your host, the wise man, Matt Mears. I'll quickly introduce my co-host for the evening because that special guest is on the phone waiting for us. He is the hat rack,
1: Shane Evans. Shane, welcome to the bench. Good evening, Mearsy. Good evening, listeners. But if we're going to have something slightly different tonight, we'll do our regular start later on. But this interview, it's been four months in the making. Because of COVID-19, we couldn't get this gentleman on at the start of March but I've been dying to speak to him in his official capacity as the President of the Sydney Rugby Union. He's also my boss at the Warringah Rats as our club president, has been for 15 years now. Officially, we can welcome to the bench Sydney Rugby Union President Phil Parsons. Good evening, Phil.
2: Good evening, Shane and Mac. Oh, want a wonderful introduction, Shane. Uh, <laughs> quite humbling. You're a, you're a great volunteer and a great servant of our club too, so thanks for that, Shane. Bye, guys.
0: Well, thank you, Phil, very much for having, uh, for being here with us today. We're, we're very privileged to have you on the show. Must, just before, just as we get started, just how are those excitement levels that we're literally a week from kickoff? everybody will be waking up sort of Saturday morning next week with their first rounds to play. How is everybody inside the, the, the Sydney Rugby Union and at the clubs, mate? It must be excitement turned up to the absolute max.
2: It is, and uh, guys, you know what a journey we've been on to get to where we are on the 18th so certainly is, you know Just I think COVID brought to the forefront what community sport means to people it certainly became very relevant in the earlier parts of COVID where we weren't playing, that sort of where it fits in our community and almost, I was quite humbled by it and I had spoken to the other leaders and the other coaches too and you know, we talk through how we look into the future, but the excitement building now for us being on the ground, you know, it's, it's, sport's not a religion, but it certainly gives people meaning. And, you know, it's almost our social contract now being fulfilled when we kick off on the 18th. The buzz around the clubs is fantastic, guys. Really, really hyped up.
1: OK, well, obviously, we haven't had any footy for the last four months. How has it been for most of the clubs Obviously, with their staff members being either on JobKeeper or not having their volunteer or part payment roles going through. I know at Warringah we've had to stand staff members down from full time contracts and put them onto yep. part time deals. How's that happened across the other 12 clubs, including Penrith and Newcastle, the new clubs into the competition? Yeah,
2: good question, Shane, because, you know, I have to reflect on the journey we've been on COVID. So when we went into COVID, uh, the twelve shoot shield clubs varying or in in the revenue models vary greatly. You have sort of Sydney Uni at one end, I guess, and what a great club and we all aspire to the sort of benchmark for us all and then you get down to the you know, Penrith who's obviously had its issues over the years and there's a curve that sit in the middle between us all. I think we've got forty uh, full time staff and well, I wasn't sure how it was going to end. We went, um we weren't in good shape. I really, we were deeply concerned about 2021. We actually didn't think all the clubs were going to be there. And then we started getting government support, as you've just called out, Shane. The JobKeeper arrived. We got the 10K grant from from the government. Um, it was a difficult time because our sponsors were unable to help us. A lot of them and themselves were struggling under their own commercial pressure through covid one of the problems was it was absolutely the worst timing for lots of reasons, for lots of people. But we invest in our season through from October through to sort of March is when you have the pre-investment. Exactly the same in all the codes. You buy your kit, your merchandise, you get your players in, you fatten them up, you get them bigger and stronger and you, you look after them and get them in a good paddock. And, you know, it was really, that's where your costs incurred. And then, of course, we fell off a cliff. And our working capital across all 12 clubs was almost non-existent. So people had to become, um, you know, it was tough. It was um, People had to cut costs and make tough decisions. But, you know, as I say, we're getting to the 18th in a week and we're all there. And a couple of others. So it's been incredibly difficult. We couldn't have done it without JobKeeper. There's no doubt about that. We wouldn't be there.
0: Well, no, we're very happy that the government could assist, but we did mention a couple of new clubs, the injection of the Penrith Emus and the, the Newcastle Wildfire coming in for this season. Do you see this as just a once-off for this year, or is it something that could be extended into the future given the history of both these clubs? Well, I'll,
2: tell you, I'll I just you, know, it was interesting how we ended up with them both in the competition because we weren't sure... When I extended the invitation out, we actually weren't sure how many clubs were going to make it. And that was being, it's quite brutal, but we wanted to make sure we had enough clubs to run a season, a limited season through 19 and uh, 2020. And then when we started to get the applications, and they were so strong and then we went on this journey and then we realised that there's a, a, a fantastic support both Penrith and Newcastle had thought it was tough for us. We had to go from sort of thinking we might end up with a 10-club competition... And now we've got a uh, 13 club competition. So, you know, the support for both those clubs has been absolutely fantastic, and it probably circles back on my first statement about community sport and not just our coach, all coach. So, Penrith grabbed a, a world-class coach, John Muggleton, pulled together lots of relationships with lots of Wallaby that, that way. It's been a breeding ground for talent in league and union for a long time. He's pulled together a fantastic playing roster. Wycliffe Pella was recruiting for them. The mayor's got behind it. The, the, the whole town's behind them. They really want to see them succeed, and we do too. And then if I go up to Newcastle, well, fantastic. The reception up there has been unbelievable. This is new for Newcastle. I think it was 1997, I think, last time they were in it. Mm-hmm. But going forward, you know, I we've expressed, we've been quite clear about that to both of them. Newcastle. Newcastle certainly wouldn't be in next year but that's not saying they might not be in the year after and Penrith, you know, they need to still demonstrate that they've got the depth to survive and one of the toughest, it's one of the toughest premier semi-professional competitions in the world there's no doubt about that and it takes a huge effort and the community support with it so, who knows, guys but at the end of this, we might be seeing that and the energy will carry them into 2020, 2021 so, looking forward to it
1: we'll see what happens okay speaking about community rugby how will how will our game be different obviously with spectators and not having the normal crowds that we would normally see at rat park or north sydney oval what we have in the past how do we also police social distancing yep. at the games and has there been any policies sent out re-covid 19 good question very relevant question for so two things
2: i want people to be very very comfortable with the fact that the first first our first point of reference is always the safety and the well-being of our members. We've always said that. The SAU, the Sydney Rugby Union, New South Wales Rugby, would do nothing with the health at risk of our members. We just wouldn't do that if our players will to support So we have very tight COVID protocol. All the grounds have been audited and measured. They've all been given capacity limits. We've got 2,200, I think, with players. It gets, you know, you know... The player numbers, we have to sort that on the day, but we're at capacity 2,000 plus. I think Pamela's got 1,200. Manly's got theirs. We're working through all the clubs. We've got room for everybody. We just have to be careful. It's almost like our social contract was to get playing rugby. Now we have a social contract with everybody, Shane, including you and everybody else, to look after yourselves at these grounds, follow the protocols that are put up, no hanging around in clusters in the tunnel, take your seats. Don't wander about, abide by the the, the the rules about one and a half metre spacing, follow the direction. So it's almost like I need everybody in the shoot shield to keep their social contract with us now and abide by those COVID protocols because we don't want a fiasco like we had in Double Bay the other night. And we certainly you know, want to make sure we get through to the end of the season, everybody healthy and well.
0: Well said the big thing that has been the talking point, one of the talking points at least has been finals and finals in October for the first time in a big long time, obviously going to be probably cricket and other summer sports are going to uh, impact on availability of grounds or anything like that, is there, have we got to a point where we we sort of uh, where you guys have an an idea of of where we'll still be available Will, will, will a grand final be at like a Bank West or a Rat Park or somewhere like that Great question, guys. So, um, first of all, I want to thank Cricket
2: New South Wales. They've been unbelievably helpful for us with all of their... We have six grounds in their competition that uh, double up as cricket grounds. There are two grounds that they can't move, they couldn't help us with. One was North Sydney Oval and one was Drummond. So they weren't able to help us with that, but they certainly helped us with all the others. Uh, So, in fact, North Sydney are going to have three games at their grounds. I'm just trying to count backwards there because i have to tell you that we're playing 190 games and I think there are 33 games where there is round variation, split gate, supporting each other to get past that hurdle of cricket grounds. Um, we don't get a four-and-a-one against and home. Um, there's all those variations to take into consideration. So we hopefully... We'll be playing the grand final at night, and I'd like to think it'll be at Brookvale Oval. That's that's our ideal location. Mm -hmm. So wouldn't that be great, having two north north side teams in that, but any two teams would be just grateful to be there, to be honest. So that's our uh, view for today. Things change under COVID, guys. It moves, we adjust, we move and adjust. We have a few options, but our preferred option would be to have a, a grand final at night at Brooklyn. How good would that be?
1: That'd be absolutely amazing, wouldn't it, Shane? Yeah, well, you've got to look at it this way. You've got Rugby Union there at Brookfall Oval tonight. You've got the Melbourne Rebels hosting the Queensland Reds in the Super Rugby AU. So that'll be a good feel to see how the Rugby Union crowd are in the Northern Corridor. So. But speaking of that... How, we, how important is it for the Shoot Shield to boost morale of the grass sports sporting public that follow club rugby mm. and to be able to keep it as the number one jewel in the Australian rugby landscape basically, yeah. I mean you can go and watch your your local, local brickmaker actually working for normal on a weekday and come out and play sport on a Sunday mm. or on a Saturday through, correct me if I'm wrong we're looking possibly at 7-2 again for this year
2: um, yep, 7-2. It's all done and dusted for this year. Variations of what broadcasting could look like next year. That's not locked in yet. We're still looking for a, what they call an OTT over the top, which is a broadcaster that can carry all the other games that aren't on 7-2. Um, but great to have them back on board. Gives us some continuity. Everyone knows where to find it on the dial. Um, there will be the, where the kick-off this year, is us, of course, and the replay of last year's grand final. In the Yearly and the rats will be on 7-2 on the 18th at 3 o'clock. You know, back to that sort of... that You made a comment there when Shane about our community and what we... Well, the Shield and Premier Rugby, it is all about creating memory. It creates memories for friends and family. It has a wide diversity of supporters. But there's nothing better than you sort of... And I, and I sort of laugh at this a bit in a way, but it, you touched on it then. You do get to see the local plumber having to go to a 50-metre drop goal. You have all your champions that they all identify in their community. They know their backstories. They know how they're going. They've watched them come up through the juniors. They're colourful. People know how they live their lives. They buy into it all. They bring the passion. But on game day, it creates memory. Talk. All of the shoot shield grounds are ideal for kids to run around. They can slide down hills on bits of cardboard. They get close to players. They get a real sense of belonging. And I go back to my opening remarks. Sport's not a religion, but it does give people meaning. And that's the piece that the Premier Rugby, Sydney Premier Rugby, fills in people's hearts and minds. It's that gap that that people look for where it's it's in your face. You can smell the liniment. It's real, and, and they can relate to it.
0: Well, I'll go back to something Shane said, and we're we're very happy to hear that Seven Two are back on board. I said uh, I know quite a few people in my sort of wheelhouse that that do love being able to watch it on a Saturday afternoon. Obviously, we can only have that one game. We, you were saying about some other broadcasters. How do you see the the community broadcast sectors like us here at Triple H um, in that sector of broadcasting games that, that can't be that can't be. Um, through seven two or any other any other commercial channels how important is that um to complement that tv coverage and and try and get as much games out there to be consumed particularly in times like this when we probably don't can't have as many people there physically as we would like to
2: great question you know it's all part of our package and you guys do a great job to the community and it's absolutely a, a role for you to play in our broadcast arrangement. Yeah, we're working through that now with our broadcast people. I think there's absolutely a piece of the puzzle and it sits with you guys. In the, you represent the northern part of Sydney. You do a great job and I, I really will be pushing for you guys to be more involved and, and cover those games. I think that we need to be multi-layered. There's a way that we need to be multi-layered. We start off with the free to air will slip through what they call OTT over the top broadcasters that's perhaps your new entering the market KO sports types to perhaps cover some games as well like first grade culture probably be there and certainly all the other first grade games but there's no reason why at all there's not an overlay of local great local broadcasters community radio absolutely fits into that mold guys and I was just talking to Jason Moore, who handles their broadcasting arrangements in New South Wales Rugby, and he's on board with it. You know, I've spoken to Nick Fordham about the various levels of broadcasting. We get a bit lost on free-to-air sometimes, but there's plenty of other ways to reach, to your point, reach all the people that want to know about it. They may may want to get it delayed. They might want a real-time. They might want a, a short summary of games. Certainly our sponsors uh, are encouraging us to become multi-layered in their broadcasting approach. So... Yeah, absolutely, and I'll, I'll be keep contact with you guys, keep talking through how we bring that to life. Now, if we can't do it this year, we need to build it into our, our broadcasting arrangement, certainly for next year.
0: Well, yeah, we, we certainly have, uh, we certainly love hearing that and we're always on board to uh, help community sport here on the bench and Triple H Sports as much as we can and uh, as I said I look forward to the partnership that we can build even if we don't get to games this year we'll certainly be having as you said the summary previewing games here on the right. bench on Friday nights um, so hopefully the people that may be out there listening to this in podcast form later on uh, over the weekend uh, can, can start tuning in to us to get a bit of shoot shield fix um, in the coming weeks. But uh, right. we'll go back to obviously what is the, the biggest situation at the moment, the COVID 19. And we only, we seem like we're just, we, we see what's happening in Melbourne and up here in Sydney. It's like we're, we just seem to be one big outbreak away from community sport being closed down again. Uh, you would think that one closed down in the next few weeks would, would kill off the community sport for the rest of 2020 and 21 is that something that that, that that is being looked at again and again if we do have to have another break in the in 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 the season that we the shortened season that we do have?
2: You know I um oh, I just dread that, you know, but not just us, it's selfish to think it's just us. But imagine the disruption to the community, the economy, the people's lives. You know, I don't want to don't over represent what we do for the community and where we fit into their lives, but certainly it wouldn't be helpful for us. You know, if we, if we did get closed down, if we get stood down for another period of months, we're pretty adamant. We'll go back to my original comments that I made, I think, at the beginning of COVID. We would play, we determined, I know the Rats, we'd play right up to Christmas Eve. We'd play event rugby after that. We would play some good old-fashioned, you know, Manly versus Ranger East versus Uni, Count versus Country, you know, we have a Polynesian representative side against the rest of the world. I try and use all the time we did have available, leading right up to, and at night, we play at night, out of the heat, but we're very determined. We've, we've run various models, we've been building models and they're around us. We're not, we're not oblivious to the fact that we could have further disruption, so we're ready for most scenarios, but you know, everyone's just got to do the right thing, go back to that social contract we have with each other. Let's not let it happen. Let's get our lives back to normal. And uh, But if it happens, we have some options, I think, to keep us playing rugby. We're pretty determined to play this year, guys. You've heard me say. We're going to top some rugby. We're playing Christmas Eve. We will play Christmas Eve. You know, at night, some of these grounds are great at night. So let's just hope we don't have to go there.
1: OK, Phil, second last question. Mm-hmm. Let's let's take off your Sydney Rugby Union hat, put on your put on your Moringo Green Rats hat. Mm-hmm. In your opinion, how are the rats shaping up? And is this the year that they can finally win another title since 2017? Especially after being knocked out by Sydney mm-hmm. Uni yeah. two years straight, which hurts a lot. Which hurts a
2: lot, mate. So three grand finals, um, one one, not a bad record though. I have to say, as a club, mm, true. Um, three different coaches, I should put out, but the same president. So that's one common factor. I'll take all that. No, the coaching's been great. But, um, you know, I I think we're in bloody good shape. You know, we are really in good shape. And our strength and conditioning team's done a lot of work. What worries me, when you have a look at some of the stats coming out of some of the codes, and you guys will be all over there's a lot of soft tissue um, muscle injuries coming through and all the other codes as well. I think that's going to be the conditioning might not be there where we need it to be. It'll be interesting to see how we hold up. You'll have to have a, All clubs are going to have to have a pretty big roster to, I think, to get to the end. We're pretty good. we we'll have always use some more props, and the uh, ones we've got, they were pretty good. Rourou kind of backs from to the Tower. Not bad-looking front row. hold mm. in good shape. But again, it's a sprint this 13 weeks. So if I think about previous conditioning, reflect on what's happening in the other codes, it's going to be a battle of attrition, I think, by the time we get to a rookie. That night game on a Saturday,
0: how good will that be? It will be absolutely amazing. I think seeing we both live within five minutes of Brookvale yeah. over, we'll have to make sure we make an appearance down there. Could you? Yeah. Ma-
1: could you imagine if it was Warringah and the Marlins well, grand Have to full that. house at Brookvale. Well, yeah, hopefully that we. Hopefully we can have full
0: houses oh, back course. by October. But <laughs> you've been excellent to us so far, Phil. There is one final question I have to throw to you. Because, as I said, I, I mentioned my rugby wheelhouse before. Um, probably little less known, your rugby actual playing career. And one word that's probably haunted me since I was about 12 years old is the Steelbillies. So oh. give us a little bit about your playing career with the Steelbillies. Because, well, I said, yeah. obviously I know a fair bit about the club. But <laughs> I'm sure you love getting out there with Bob oh. Webster
2: and all the boys. I love getting playing for the Silver Belles. It's the only. I don't cover many roles in rugby, but I, I covered being captain of the Silver There's a problem. They only pick captains that lead from the front. And I'll have to lead from the back. Now I've had this discussion for the last ten years. There's nothing wrong with a captain that leads from the back. What a wonderful group of men! What a wonderful group of men! The gold, one of the greatest gold medals teams in, in Australia, if I can say so myself, and. Uh, that's what rugby's all about. They look after each other, they care about each other, and they love the game. What a great curtain raiser that would be, the uh, Silberleaf playing uh, manly, the manly whalers, I think they call themselves. So should think about that as a curtain raiser for booking for the grand final. Oh, mate. Great, we... great group of men. There's a, there's a moose man there. Is that related to you, Bronny Chum?
0: That is my dad, yes. <laughs> that is my dad. <laughs> and, Dad, yeah. I know you'll be listening to this, and Mum will be listening out there. He's so... a great man, Moose. Oh, mate, yeah, I'm, I'm lucky I'm a lucky son I will say that but maybe if, maybe if we don't get the rights to the, the grand final obviously that'll be on 7-2 we'll come down and we'll call the stillbillies versus the, the, the Manly Old Boys yep. um, warm up game on grand final day
2: yeah, maybe they'll let me catch them for the first five
0: minutes from the back. <laughs> I'll, I'll use some of my connections and, uh, and see how we go. But, uh, Phil, no. I know you've got other commitments. It has been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Hopefully, you can, hopefully we'll have you back some other time, maybe towards the end of the season to great. talk finals. But um, thank you once again, and we'll talk to you very soon. You're doing a great job,
2: guys. Thanks. See you, guys.
0: Thank Goodbye. you, Phil. Uh, Phil Parsons there, the uh, Sydney Rugby Union president there, Ringer president, and still player. Absolute pleasure. As I said before, we will be talking more Shoot Shield next week. We will have the preview of round one here on the bench.